Welcome in everyone to 32 Beat Beyond the Tweets. My name is Zach Hajduk and today I'm very excited to bring you a great conversation with Cardinals beat writer Tyler Drake. Now before we get started I did want to say thank you to all of our patrons out there. You have been flooding in recently and we really appreciate each and every one of you. Also if you haven't checked out our website make sure to do that. You'll find our blog, the NFL training camp schedule, and much more as we continue to build that out. Also, training camp is really starting to ramp up and things are getting exciting. Many of you may be thinking of doing some best ball drafts, and if you do, make sure to sign up for Underdog using our special promo code to get a $100 match on your first deposit. It's free credit for you, and it helps out the show. That code is 32BEAT. That's 3 to B-E-A-T. Now, let's get on to the conversation. Hey everyone, today I have with us beat writer Tyler Drake. Tyler is a writer and editor covering the Arizona Cardinals for Arizona Sports at ArizonaSports.com, and you can also hear him on Arizona Sports Radio 98.7 locally, or of course, for most of you, on the Cardinals Corner podcast. If you're looking for him on Twitter, you can find him at TDrake4Sports. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Hey, hey, glad to be a part of it. Yeah, so if you don't mind, just to start off, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you came to cover the Cardinals, if you could. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, I'm originally from Northern California, a small town called Kelseyville. I uh, graduated in 2010 and came down to Arizona. I've been here ever since and, you know, went to uh, U of A first and was in a completely different major and realized that uh, I was pretty good at what I was talking about in sports wise. So how could I make that into a career? So decided to transfer up to ASU and go to the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism. And there I interned with Arizona Sports and actually uh, made that into a full time job. So that's really what it was about. And, and really, you know, my passion was to be in football and kind of football. So, you know, I did a little bit of ASU football, but then was luckily uh, able to jump up really quickly and really start. I would say 2020 was about when I really started getting more, uh, I guess, availability with the Cardinals. And then 2021, I took on full time. So this is my third, I guess, full time season covering the Cardinals. But, you know, really since 2019, I've been uh, kind of in there, but not in there. So it's, it's been good to actually be able to go to every practice and be able to do all of that. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, I started from a really small town and now I'm just, uh, trying to survive in the desert because it is a scorcher <laughs> out here right now. <laughs> yeah. I've seen things up to like 120. Is that, are those real? Uh, I think we're like at 17 straight days of over 110. And I think, oh I think one goodness. more day we tie a record that is, shouldn't be something you should tie. <laughs> yeah. No, I grew up out West in Colorado for a while, but I don't think it ever okay. got anywhere near that hot. That's insane. So yeah, good luck surviving that. Um, and, you know, honestly, to move on to survival, Cliff Kingsbury has uh, moved on from your Cardinals here, whether uh, willingly or otherwise. And they have uh, brought in head coach now, Jonathan Gannon, who's a uh, first time head coach from the Eagles, a previous defensive coordinator over there. And uh, obviously defensive oriented as opposed to the last regime. So uh, they made it a point to bring him in after the Super Bowl there, and there was some shenanigans of some sort, I suppose. They made good with the Eagles right prior to the draft. But 
just taking all of that into account uh, with the changes and uh, we'll get to the Kyler injury, which I'm sure everybody wants to hear about, but what position overall is this team in now? And what do you think their general goal is for the season? Yeah, yeah. I think for now, I mean, like you just said, defensive mind, they really flipped the flipped the switch on what they wanted to bring in. They were completely offensive minded with Cliff Kingsbury. He was the offensive coordinator, if you will. And now it's, yeah, you know, they got head coach John Gannon, who you get a little bit of a degree of separation now as the defensive minded guy. He brings in an OC, a new OC and Drew Petzing. And you know, where they're at now, it's about improvement. It's about really setting the foundation for this year. I honestly, I can kind kind of consider it a redshirt year just because there are so many wrongs that they've got to right just from the old regime. There's old contracts they had to get off of. Hopkins is an example, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. But just they really this year is really about setting the culture, setting that foundation to really go into 2024 and beyond and really hit it hard. And I think that's really the thing is show improvement. You don't need it in the wins and loss column. Like that might not be very pretty, but if you can show, you know, noticeable improvement on those playmakers that you're going to need five years down the line, two years, three years down the line, that's really going to be the important thing moving forward, especially with this batch of rookies, because this batch of rookies, they all have that same type of football character. So now it's how can they translate that to the field? So for me, it's really just about can you show improvement from the guys that you're going to be relying on down the line? Right. Yeah. No, I um, you had mentioned Drew Petzing, and that wasn't really a name that I knew uh, from an mm-hmm. offensive perspective. Uh, is he going to be calling plays or obviously Jonathan Gannon probably is not going to be calling offensive plays? Yeah, right? it, it sounds like Petzing's going to be the guy. And, and honestly, you've got to take into account where he came from. Cleveland Browns. He was a quarterback's coach there. But, uh, you know, in Arizona, I, I've very much think it's going to be a very run-heavy offense, especially with Kyler's situation and not knowing really when he's coming back. But, Mm. you know, I think it's really going to be one of those, you know, we saw it with Nick Chubb. He got a ton of carries last year. I can see some kind of model like that with James Conner, and especially just because of what that running back's room looks like. So, Mm. uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be, I mean, first-year guy. He's going to have a lot of of eyes on him, especially just of – what this team is coming off of and how bad they looked coming uh, out of 2022. Yeah. And you had mentioned uh, coming from the Browns there and just seeing a general overall improvement. I think, as you know, a lot of our uh, followers and a good amount of our listeners are kind of interested in the fantasy angle of things. So uh, you mentioning Connor in that uh, light uh, from a running perspective and Nick Chubb, I'm sure is making some of them excited, but uh <laughs> You mentioned Murray, and that's, of course, the big question. So with the ACL that he suffered, I think it was week 13 against the Patriots, the game, I was actually watching that live, and you can just tell, like, as soon as it happened, like, oh, yeah. the season's done. Just one of those classic uh, went down without anybody touching him. Uh, but the the changes and struggles with the, the and depth on the roster um, and then the coaching staff, it appears that you mentioned that they might be kind of up for a rough season and then maybe a high draft pick. Now they have the Texans draft pick. So my real question is, even if he's healthy, which I don't know when you think that might be, what motivation does Kyler have to actually play this season? And what motivation does the team have for actually playing him? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, for me, if I had to put it, so head coach John Gannon, Monty Osport, they don't like to put a timeline on it. They're not going to give us a timeline. Don't expect a timeline anywhere else. Mm. Uh, so really it's 
kind of ha- where he's at. There was a recent episode from the Cardinals called Cardinals Flight Plan where they dove into a little more of his mental aspect, and I think he's there mentally. I think now it's just about getting him healthy physically. If I had to put a number on it, I'd say like week five, week six would be the starting point. If okay. I really had to put a number on it, week eight would kind of – that would be enough time, I think, from the injury to where you could bounce back enough and not be really rushed back because that's also – got to take that into account too is – the guy just signed a contract. It's a lot of money. You don't want to rush him back and get injured. So I guess for me, it's, uh, you know, for him, it's about right now he's doing everything right. He's out there. He's rehabbing. He's also taking it, taking it upon himself to be with the position groups, talk with Drew Petsing, really get the ins and outs for OTAs and minicamp. He was out there all the time, more than I've seen him out there. You know, he's mm. been in the building more. I mean, DJ Humphreys is seeing a new Kyler Murray, basically. He's, he hasn't seen this side of him before, a funnier side. Uh, you know, he's in the circle kind of thing. So it's really interesting there. And I think it's more – Kyler's got it's, – it's a it's a job interview, really, if you really want to think mm. about it. It's, you can't shy away from knowing that this team might get a high draft pick, either it's their own or the Texans. Right, and you know yeah. he's at the top of that ranking right there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be up there no matter what. But you know, there's a quarterback sitting at the very top, no matter what, at one of those picks if that's the case. So, right, that's something that they have to look at as the Cardinals. You, you would be, you, if you're the GM and you don't look at that, that would be a failure, I think, in my eyes. So it's it's really mm-hmm. it's you just have to cover all your bases there. So, Kyler, it's about showing, hey, this is what I've got, and it's for the team. It's hey, what do we have in this guy still, like? Because let's be real, it's probably going to take a couple games before we really see what the new Kyler is on the field, just with the ACL, just right. getting ready, football game, uh, you know, game shape. So for me, I think it's both sides really need to see the other side perform. So it's like Kyler Murray needs to get out there to really prove to the team that he is who he is. The organization mm-hmm. needs to see that he can do that or they need to be ready to pull the trigger and move on. So it's really there is a lot of sides, but. But at the same time, so it's, there's a third to this thing, too. You don't play him. You don't give anybody the chance to see what he's looking like. And then if you have to try to trade him, you don't diminish that trade value if that's the case. So I right. guess that's the third option you have to consider. But for me, I think both sides, you want to get him out there. So if anything, you can make the full concerted effort of, hey, we need to move on. We've seen him on there. It's not a – we're just a guessing game because if you go somewhere else and ball's out, that's going to look even worse on the Cardinals. Right. So it sounds like you're pretty confident, and it would make sense that they play him a certain amount, but that they might also take it easy to see that he's fully recovered, and they're not going to tell us when that's going to be. So Yeah, I think there's going to be – I think a five, six-game sample size at the minimum should be what they're both shooting for. That's my okay. own eyes. Yeah. Okay, and you said that you would assume that it's not going to happen before week five then. Okay. No, uh, I just I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, especially if they're taking it easy and there's no reason to rush him. And honestly, and they've maybe taken it easy with Murray before too. I mean, even the old regime okay. has taken it easy with him before too, in training camp and everything else. So it just it just seems mm. like if they're going to pay him that much money, they're they're going to make sure everything he checks every box for a week straight before they even think about throwing him out there for practice, let alone trying to get him out there for a game. That's just my opinion. I think just. Being around the team, they are very cautious on letting their guys back. I mean, Zach Ertz is another guy. We really don't know when, but it's just it's mm. just going to come down to when they really feel like they can give him the green light. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate hearing that from you because there's some speculation from people outside the team, from my knowledge, that are like, well, you know, maybe they'll push him back and he'll get, he'll get started at the beginning of the year. And if that's not the case, that's a very big difference. So 
I, uh, I mean, and that's the thing is just we've gotten no indication either way. But I mean, here's one example that I went off of, you know, uh, Hollywood Brown's birthday. I think that was during like the second or third week of OTAs. They had that picture on the boat. You can okay. see two different legs there on Kyler Murray. I think his leg is mm. still very much like he's he still needs a lot of work on getting, you know, the proper cuts. I think really right now he can only run straight lines. So mm. there's still there's still a ways to go for him in his recovery. And it's not saying that I don't think he could be like I, sh- I shouldn't say it's not impossible for him to be back by week one, but if he does, he's going to prove me wrong. He's going to prove a lot of people in, in this state wrong for sure if that's the case. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. And, yeah, I hadn't seen that picture, so I'll have to look that up afterwards. But yeah, if yeah. Murray if Murray isn't starting, then who's that going to be? I mean, guys just on the roster, you've got a, like, I think almost 37-year-old Colt McCoy. You've got two former uh, Detroit Lions guys in Jeff Driscoll and David Blau, <laughs> who had a minute there. Uh, and then the uh, guy I'm, I guess I'm really curious about is uh, fifth-round rookie Clayton, is it Thune or Tune? I don't, Thune, I don't know. Tune. There you go. So yeah. who is it going to be? Because I think McCoy was injured. I had a, some problem with his wrist, right? So Yeah, yeah. So uh, he it seems like he's back to good. So he, he should be good at this point. Uh, I think it was okay. about middle of the offseason was when I think he was kind of ramping back or ramping things back up. So he should be good. He should be the leader of the clubhouse, no doubt, for week one. That's that's my own opinion. But I'm not going to be surprised if we see a Clayton Toon get thrown out there early. Uh, just to be honest with you, he's a more mobile really? quarterback. He could fit into the offense a little more, and I think give Petsing more of a look of what he could be getting with Kyler just because you might be able to run a player or two that you might not be able to get with a David Blau or, or a Colt McCoy or Jeff Driscoll who aren't going to run as much. So in my eyes, I think, uh, you know, I think Colt McCoy is my guy that's going to start week one, but a okay. couple weeks in, if, you really, if you're seeing a, a lopsided losses, why not mm. throw the rookie out there and see what you can get? So – that's just yeah. my personal thing. And, and, you know, Toon is, you know, he's raw. I, I would say he's not necessarily raw, but you can tell there's some things he's got to grasp just from the little things that I've seen from rookie minicamp, OTAs, minicamp, and, uh, you know, veteran minicamp. But also he's got, you know, it looks like he's got the intangibles. And especially, you know, in the interview room, man, he really holds himself as a, you know, professional quarterback. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how many, uh, you know, reps he gets with the ones even at training camp because I'm. it's not out of the question that we could be seeing that just for them to get a better idea of, hey, if we've got to drop Kyler in, does this play work or does this play work? Whereas, like, oh, if you're throwing right. Colt McCoy in there, Jeff Driscoll in there, uh, David Blau, I mean, <laughs> you, you've, got, you've got to take some things out of the playbook. Right. I think with Clayton Toon, you can keep things in there that you're going to implement with Kyler down the line. So why not see that now so that's a little bit easier of a transition when you can drop Kyler in. Okay. And this is kind of a scheme question, kind of an offensive line question, uh, I guess. They drafted uh, Paris Johnson in the first round. I think, was it six overall? Uh, Sharp Football Analysis uh, has them, I think, placed 26th in the league as far as offensive line is concerned. And so I'm curious if you think it's good enough to do what they want it to do even just maybe even trusting bringing Murray back. It sounds like you think that's the case. So how mm-hmm. do you see that this season, and does it influence their run game? You mentioned uh, Stefanski's style. How does that look this year? Yeah, yeah. You know, for me, it's going to be really interesting to see where exactly Paris fits well. Uh, he played a lot on the outside through the soft season, but I think they're going to try to move him inside too during training camp, see what they got there. So right now, I mean, left guard and center are the two biggest 
needs for this line. And I think John Gaines, another rookie, could be very well in that mix. Uh, uh, Yell the Froholt, who is coming over mm. from the Browns, has a good relationship with Petsing. He's been, uh, you know, uh, I think the lead man at center right now. So I think this line is getting a little uh, not enough credit, I would say. They've got some veteran guys back. You know, they've got Kelvin Beecham on the right side. If he ends up starting, you move Paris to the left guard. I mean, you're pretty much set there with Will Hernandez on the, as the other guard, and then you've got a DJ on the left side, and then you just have, I, I, I would imagine, Froholt would probably be the center, and if not, be John Gaines or Lucita Smith. So, you know, I think they're getting – I think it's, it's underrated. I think they're going to be underrated this okay. year just because the veterans that are back, they've all played mm. together for a while now. So, you know, I'm going to be interested to see how it all gels when, it, when we get out of training camp because, like I said, you know, Harris Johnson, where exactly can he fit? Because the guy's versatile. He can – play that left guard he could play right tackle so you know if it was a perfect world I think he'd slide him in at left guard because you've got Kelvin Beecham as a veteran on the right side you mm. get uh Froholt in the middle and you kind of see and you go from there but that that grouping right there is pretty solid in my eyes I, I think they're pretty underrated just from that ranking I would put them you know maybe not top 10 but I'd put them top 15 top 20 I think just because I think they can okay. they're going to be able I think they're more run oriented too they all love mm. to run the ball so sure. I think uh I mean obviously we've got to see it happen we've got to see this play you know the scheme all come together but right. in my eyes how they're shaping up and they've got Josh Jones as a, as a backup you know if Kelvin does get moved as a backup that's a heck of a backup to have uh so then really from there you know you try to move gains over or somebody like that so there's a lot of different combinations that I don't think I don't think they have the versatility in past years with this group. So now they've got a little more wiggle room. So I'm really interested to see it. I think they're a little underrated right now. Okay, we'll have to monitor that going forward there in the first couple of weeks, like you mentioned. Uh, with Hopkins being released, you had you had uh, talked about him earlier. We just see now that he's in Tennessee, uh, yep. and that perceivably makes Hollywood Brown, uh, Marquise Brown, the number one wide receiver there. He had 709 yards, three touchdowns through 12 games before. I mean, he dealt with a foot fracture and a hamstring pull. The foot fracture, I believe, ended uh, not ended his season, but put a big dent in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, what production do you see from him early on and then once Kyler returns? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think he's going to get peppered with targets. I think they're really going to look at him. At, you know, I think tight ends are going to be a big part of this offense just because of how much they're going to want to run the ball. But – He's going to get a lot of looks. I think with whoever's playing, it's going to be more of the shorter variety, you know, just get the ball out quick. I think when Kyler comes back, we'll start to see him stretch the field a little bit more. But, you know, those first couple of weeks, I he was a legit number one when Hopkins was off the field. And, you know, he got hurt, I think, in week six or seven and missed it. Right when Hopkins was coming back, he got hurt. Yeah. So we never really got to see that all together with Kyler. So it, it's a little bit of a bummer on that side. But, you know, I think he's got the potential to do it. He's just got to stay consistent, and he's got to be able to reel in the easy ones. I think that's really what comes down to Hollywood's game. I think, you know, he's definitely got the drive to do it. I think he really likes this, uh, you know, the team, and I think he likes the scheme. And But, yeah, I, you know, I think he's going to get peppered early on. But I think once Kyler comes back and they can get that rapport going, we'll start seeing some, you know, stretch the field type plays, some longer shots down the field for sure. Okay, and if he's going to be the main guy – I think I was looking up the roster uh, earlier, and they're all like, I mean, if you look at Rondale Moore and uh, Greg Dorks, they're both 5'7", yep. 175. 
Yep. Uh, and Rondale, you know, can be kind of an electric player, but the one guy who stood out seemed to me to be uh, third-round wide receiver Michael Wilson. He's 6'2", maybe, 213, somewhere around yeah. there. What type of production do you expect to see from the guys behind Hollywood then? Yeah, yeah. So that's the, that's the you know, he's the dark horse for me in that wild, uh, wide receivers room right now. Michael Wilson, man, he's really – when he showed up, he was quickly, you quickly saw like this dude belongs in the league. Like he's got the intangibles to do it. It's just, can he stay healthy? And I think that's really the question with, you know, Rondell Moore too. Mm. Rondell Moore's got the potential to be the number two guy, but can he stay on the field? And I think, you know, don't be surprised when Michael Wilson's one of those, you know, training camp highlight reels for the, for the entirety of the camp, because that's just kind of what he brings to the table. He's like you said, he's a bigger guy. Right. That really helps break up these smaller wide receivers in this in this room that all can ball out, but you've got to have that link. So him, uh, Zach Pascal, you know, I think it's really going to come down to who can stay on the field and who can really separate themselves in training camp because there's a very real possibility that Michael Wilson could be a number two guy. I mean, it's, right. especially just given Rondell Moore's injury history and just nothing against the guy, but, you know, you've got to play. I mean, availability is the biggest, you know, one of the biggest factors in this game, especially on the fantasy side. So I think Michael Wilson's just a spark plug. I think he's going to be a spark plug. One of those guys that, you know, it might take him a little bit into this, getting a couple games under his belt before he really starts being consistent. But I think we'll start, I think very early we'll see a couple, you know, shots where he kind of shocks a couple people like, whoa, this guy was what pick? So that's where I'm at. I mean, even uh, Gannon, he said he's light years ahead of where he was from uh, rookie minicamp when we were at, uh, mini, or I think, OTAs, the last OTAs, or right at the beginning of uh, veterans minicamp. So okay. really, really interested to see if he can really keep that progression going into training camp because Rondo Moore did the same kind of trajectory, and we saw that early on as a rookie. He just, again, just got to stay healthy. Yeah. Who would be his main competitor for targets? Would that be Pascal? Cause they have a similar body type or. Yeah. You know, I'll oh, go ahead. It's, uh, no, 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 you're good. He's playing a lot. I mean, he, he told us straight up, he said he played a lot of the X throughout the off season. So I think it's going to be really, I, I think it's going to be between Moore and Pascal is going to be his main competition because you can really move more anywhere. Just, and we've seen that in the past years, just, just because he's five foot something doesn't mean you can't move him around. Obviously, he's a better mm. slot guy, I think, than outside. But uh, I definitely think that it's going to be between those two guys. Okay. Uh, you mentioned the tight ends uh, being used heavily in the offense. I don't know if that's more of a Stefanski thing maybe coming with uh, Petsing there. Ertz, you also mentioned uh, before <laughs> uh, at the Kyler conversation. We don't know maybe when he's coming back, it sounds like. From what you're saying, he uh, had the ACL and the MCL. If it's not going to be him for, I don't know, the first five or so games as well, who's behind him? Is that Trey McBride? I mean, there's not much else behind him, right? No. Yeah, it's it's Trey McBride, and it might be uh, Mr. Outside Hire. I, you know, I think, honestly, I think it's going to be – I think Noah Tungai, if I'm saying that right, is probably going to stick around just because <laughs> he's a better blocking tight end for what they want to do. But – for a playmaking standpoint, it's going to be tra it's Trey McBride, and I would assume you know they're probably going to get a look at those training camp cuts down the line when it's fifty three man roster time. So uh, Trey McBride seems like he's he's taking that step, but yeah, it's it's really an unknown when Ertz is going to come back. You know, he's obviously targeting week one. I think everybody that's wanting to come back from an injury is going to target the first week back, but 
sure. really don't know exactly if he's going to be back too. Obviously, he's got a little bit better of an outlook than Kyler just because he got hurt earlier in the season. But mm. still, I don't think they're going to rush him back. So if they're going to prolong that, I definitely think McBride's going to be the way to go for, you know, and, and it might not be a every week starter for fantasy wise, but he could be a streaming option for sure. Okay. Uh, are they going to use a lot of two tight end sets then? Yes. Uh, or I, I, I would imagine. Me? I would imagine. Okay. Uh, if that's the case, like you mentioned, they're probably going to be running the ball a lot. James Connor. I mean, he had a pro bowl. I, when I look back at this, I was kind of surprised. He had a pro bowl season in 2021 with 18 total mm-hmm. touchdowns. I don't know how I forgot 18, uh, but last Jonathan year, Taylor, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Last year he did have a thousand scrimmage yards and eight touchdowns, but, uh, I just, so it sounds like they're going to use him a lot because there's not a lot else behind him. You have Keontae Ingram, uh, Corey Clement from the Eagles, uh, a couple seasons back. Who's his backup and how do you think the touches get split between all those guys? Yeah, Keontae Ingram's got to be number two. Uh, you know, they didn't really – they didn't address it. You know, Eno Benjamin last year was the number two guy, and then he got that mysterious cut that really nobody really knows why still. So yeah. <laughs> that's still uh, one of those, you know, mysteries that are just going to lie in the desert, I guess. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's Keontae Ingram, and then I think it's Corey Clement. And for touches, I would assume it's going to be like 80-20, 85-15. Okay. I think it's going to be the James Conner show. Unless, you know, they go out and sign somebody. Who knows? But – for now, and I think for what they're doing and for what they see and, and their blueprint of moving forward, I don't think they want to spend the extra money for the running back, for another running back, right. where it's get through this year with who they got and then maybe try to re uh, reevaluate in 2024. Yeah, it sounds like if they're taking a long game perspective, they're just going to run what they have into the ground from a veteran perspective and try to yep. see what they have in the rookies when they get a shot. Okay. Yep. Um, I try to give everybody a soapbox to stand on of their choosing. So I'm not sure what you've had to think about, but is there, tell us something that you feel isn't brought up enough about the team or something you feel that people generally get wrong about them, or maybe just something that you take issue with. <laughs> from. <them. laughs> oh man. Yeah. So I, I've had, to, I've been trying to think about, you know, what, what this might be, uh, you know, and I think, I think for me is it's the, it's the long game for the Cardinals right now. I think, Obviously, the NFL is a business. You need results. But for where this team was and what they did, I mean, I could probably tell you four. If you if we had this show and they didn't make any moves, I could probably tell you four or five things I had wrong with this team. But the fact that they went through and, you know, the GM took the leave of absence, resigned, whatever you want to call it, that was a move in the right direction. Firing Cliff Kingsbury, move in the right direction. Getting a guy that's not an offensive-minded coach to where – you've kind of got to, everyone's kind of got to look at themselves more of, hey, this is a real reset, you know, making sure that the GM and the head coach are, are you know, are in lockstep with each other. Uh, you know, they've done a lot of right where I feel like a lot of people give them a lot of credit or not credit, but I think a lot of people discredit them a lot. But I think for right. what the moves are, we're not going to see very many wins. Let me tell you straight away. <laughs> if we see more than four wins, I will be very surprised. With how this team is currently constructed right now, if they win more than four games, I will be surprised. But what they're doing, I think people need to realize there's more than just the wins and losses. It's just like the example I like to bring up is the Detroit Lions. I mean, Hmm. did they make the playoffs last year? No. Were they a fun team to watch? Should they have made the playoffs? Did they really show, you know, year over year under Campbell? 
you know, improvement, yes. And that's kind of what I think people need to realize with this team is if they can just show that they're moving in the right direction, hmm. that's the type of progress that might catapult them back to relevancy sooner than later. But until then, people got to give them a little bit of a break, I think. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like from what you're saying, maybe if you're paying attention to Vegas there, take the under on the overall season win totals. Oh, yeah. I think it's at if four and a half. If you're a betting person, take the under. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Tyler, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, before I let you go here, though, tell us where we can find your work, if you don't mind. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you can find all my work at uh, ArizonaSports.com. Uh, we actually have an app too, the Arizona Sports app. And then you can hear me on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. And then also I co-host Cardinals Corner, which is an all everything Cardinals podcast that we try to do weekly. Uh, we'll be ramping up and hopefully uh, we'll get some more, uh, you know, airtime on the on the radio waves. And uh, also, if you're more of the print person, you can find me in Lindy's. I actually have a, I did the whole Cardinal section for the Lindy's magazine. So there's uh, also another place you can find me if you uh, want to check it out there. All right. Well, awesome. That's uh, great to hear. And uh, thanks again for joining us to our listeners. Definitely make sure to check out his work for all of the uh, things you need to know, Cardinals. And thanks again for joining us, Tyler. Hopefully we'll have you on in the future. Yeah, no problem. You know where to find me, man. All right. Welcome to the Fantasy Fallout, where we discuss a little bit of the fantasy implications from the interview with our beat writer. In my opinion, all of this comes down to Kyler Murray, whether he's playing or whether he's not. And according to Tyler, it sounds like he's not going to be playing for a while. He used the week eight mark. Now that's really scary to me if I'm drafting anybody else on this team or drafting Kyler at all. Uh, currently, I would be interested in Hollywood and James Conner where they're going right now. But again, it all comes down to Kyler. And if you're going to be waiting until week eight for him to get on this playing day roster, I don't know how that makes you feel. Hollywood right now is wide receiver 33 with an ADP near Tyler Lockett, Mike Evans, the rookie JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba. And honestly, I'd probably take all of those guys in front of him. James Conner, he's right around that same exact area. And I do think it's a fair price. Uh, and both of these guys, if you're thinking about it, are a guarantee at volume, and frankly, Tyler said as much. The thing is, and the bottom line is, that although Hollywood and James Conner are guaranteed to have a big slice of the Cardinals pie, that pie just may not be a very tasty one, frankly. I don't really want anyone else in redraft or best ball on this roster. Maybe you can take a shot at Zach Ertz in the last round of a best ball draft. You could also take a shot maybe at Trey McBride. They're going right around that last round there. Uh, and you can do that if you feel like it, but just without Kyler being there, you're not going to get any real upside. If we're talking dynasty, I'd definitely be interested in Michael Wilson. He does offer something that nobody else on that roster really can offer you. He's bigger and he's heavier. Yeah, he's just taller overall. Uh, maybe you can get him cheap right now or as a throw-in. I don't think that you see a lot of production, especially at the beginning of the season, particularly without Kyler. But if you see some flashes, he could definitely pay off for you in 2024, especially if Kyler stays with the team. All right, and if you want to help support this independent podcast and also get some additional perks, support us on Patreon. You can check that out on our website, 32beatwriters.com and again we have a lot of free stuff over there for you as well 
Remember that training camp for 20 different teams is starting today, Tuesday, the 25th of July. So make sure that you're following us on Twitter at 32BeatWriters to make sure you have all of the most up-to-date news. Make sure to have those notifications on. We will see you next week.